When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Star County, this is former Glen Oak Golden Eagle, Ohio State Buckeye, and Cleveland Brown, Brian Hartline, with Kenny and JT on News Talk, 1480 WHBC. An offensive coordinator. Throw that in there. There you go. Add that to the mix, man. (laughs) Offensive coordinator at The Ohio State University. We saw it first today from Bill Rabinowitz of the Columbus Dispatch on Twitter. And uh, Brian Novak reached out to Bill, and uh, he's kind enough to join us right now to talk about this breaking story. We were wondering if it was going to happen, Bill Rabinowitz, uh, if Hartline was going to be the guy that gets bumped up to replace Kevin Wilson. And sure enough, he is. So not a great surprise but some people on twitter are saying how can you give the offensive coordinator position to a guy who's never been an offensive coordinator thanks for joining us your thoughts on all of that yeah kenny nice to be with you uh, yeah you know in one way it was a very logical move because brian hartline kind of a star of the offensive coaching staff with the way he's recruited to develop players wide receivers have been obviously a, a focal point of the Ohio state's offense and he's done a great job with that and and he's in demand. He was rumored to be up for the Cincinnati head coaching job, and so I think there's an understanding that that you try to promote the people that, that are the stars, and that's that's what they're doing here now. Exactly what his role will be, I I don't know because Ryan Day has been the play caller even when Kevin Wilson was here. Ryan Hartline has never called plays, so it's hard for me to believe that, that Ryan Day would say, "Okay, here are the keys to the Cadillac," um, but also. You would think that it would, being that uh, the offensive coordinator would give you more input into play calling. Uh, you know, I, I think that's going to have to play out over time. But I think it was just, it was a deserved, you know, he deserved a promotion. This is what was available. And so they're, they're giving him the title and, and exactly what the role will be will be hashed out as time goes on. Bill JT here again. Thanks for joining us. Do we know what Kevin Wilson's job as offensive coordinator really was? That's a good question. Um, no. I mean, you know, first of all, I think play calling is in some ways a group effort. I don't think it's Ryan Day kind of saying this is the, this is the play every play. I think there is a collaboration. I don't know exactly what the dynamics are. They don't really share that with, with heathens like us. So I don't, I don't know. But, you know, clearly Ryan Day was the guy when it came to play calling. And mm-hmm. Kevin Wilson helped. And Justin Fry helps. I'm sure Brian Hartline helped, along with uh, Tony Alford, for that matter. But, you know, how much will Ryan Day feel comfortable giving up to somebody who's never called plays? I don't know. You know, I kind of joked with with my colleagues that, okay, he can call the Rutgers game. He can call the Youngstown yeah. State game. And yeah. Like, yeah, he does. <laughs> you know, you know yeah. Notre Dame, I think I'll keep the Notre Dame one. You know, that kind of thing. So, uh, look, Ryan Day called a masterful game against Georgia. He had. The Ohio offense had Georgia off balance, even though they really didn't run the ball all that well. Just their passing game was pretty much unstoppable. So we know what Ryan Day can do as a play caller. That's kind of his baby. It, it is something that I know he would have a hard time giving up, mm-hmm. but I also know he knows that he probably needs to at some point do that. It's just being a head coach these days is just too hard mm-hmm. when you're when you're in the you know the nitty gritty of trying to do that stuff. He's, 
you got to be a CEO in a lot of ways, especially in the transfer portal age and the NIL age. There's just so many, you know, so many things they have to juggle that I don't know that any head coach can really do all of it well because there just aren't enough time. There's not enough time in the day. That's what's so interesting, though, because we see it at the pro level, too. There are times where the Browns would scrimmage the Lions, and it would be the last scrimmage of the preseason, and the head coach would always relinquish the play calling to the offensive coordinator. You get into the season, OC does nothing. And I think when you look at the landscape of college football, there may be a lot of that going on as well. And I'm just wondering... Is the the job of the offensive coordinator across the board for most parts? And when you think of a guy like Ryan Day or you think of a guy like Kevin Stefanski, if they're not calling plays, what else are they going to do? Well, there's there's enough. <laughs> there's enough. You oversee everything. You you make sure that things are are in sync. Um, and I think every head coach, at least an offensive minded head coach, does have some input. You know, you, mm-hmm. you may not make the exact call every play. But you tell the coordinator, this is what I want to see okay. in, in some form. You know, again, I'm not privy to that stuff. I'm, you know, I'm in the press box, but it's a different press box than the coordinator's in. So, you know, that's always been a bit of a mystery to me. And, and as you know, when they call the plays, there's such verbiage that it's a little this and a little that. I'm not sure how mm-hmm. it's like a different language. So I'm not sure how that all comes together. But I, I do know that Ryan Day in a perfect world would rather not have play calling duties like he's had you know so far um whether he will end up trusting brian hartline to do that you know remains to be seen i think i think he'd love that i think he'd love for brian hartline to show however he could that he's up to it and then he could give up you know that part of his job but there is enough as a head coach right now without dealing with that that (laughs) it's a busy job bill rabinowitz joining us from the columbus dispatch Buckeyes beat reporter there for many, many years. Follow him on Twitter on a daily basis at BR Dispatch. And, Bill, and, of course, all of this uh, is being talked about because of the reported comments from Kirk Herbstreet uh, where Brian Day told him he's given up the play calling, right? And then supposedly he walked that back uh, a little bit. And I agree with you. I can't see Brian Day, uh, excuse me, Ryan Day uh, giving up the play calling, first of all, and then doing it to a guy who's never called plays before at the Power 5 level. You know what I mean? But he's a North Canton guy, right? A North Canton guy are geniuses. So if anyone can handle I say this, of course, because my wife uh, is from North Canton. And, uh, you know, the Esmont family is near and dear to my heart. So, I, you know, I always got to give a shout-out to North Canton. But, um, yeah, I, I think you're, you're right. I mean, I, it's hard. But I also don't think that, that, Kirk, that that was leaked by accident. You know, I don't okay. <laughs> those things don't happen by accident. Um, I think Ryan Day wanted it out there that, that he was ready you know, and willing to give it up if he could find somebody he felt he could trust. Um, whether that's Brian Hardline, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know that anybody knows. Um, you know, I'm sure that in the spring they will work on that a lot. That'll be a big deal. But it's, I think it's just got to play out over time. Offensive coordinator important, but the quarterback running that offense may be even more important. So losing C.J. Stroud, who set records all over the place in that, right? What's the quarterback room going to look like for next year? Is there a front runner? Is it totally up in the air right now? Transfer portal possibilities, anything along those lines, Bill? I would be very surprised if there's a transfer portal, um, you know, candidate. I don't think there's anybody that's that's better than what they've got in inside. You know, there was a little bit of 
you know, whispers that maybe CJ Stroud could be persuaded, you know, NILs out there. I, I, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. I'd be, I'd be very surprised if CJ Stroud is back. You know, you never know with, with, you know, 21 year old guys, what they might decide to do. But I, I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion that, that he will go off the NFL and, and coming off the game against Georgia, who, who would blame him? I mean, he, he proved he can play at the highest level. Um, I think Kyle McCord is the front runner. He's been there an extra year uh, over Devin Brown. He's been the number two guy. Uh, he played with Marvin Harris. It's funny, people don't you know, forget this. Uh, Kyle McCord was the higher-rated recruit coming out of high school. He was a five-star wow. guy. Marvin Harris Jr. was a four-star guy. So, you know, Kyle McCord, what he's been in there, and this year, I don't, honestly, I don't think Ryan Day did him any favors by having it be so, you know, basically hand the ball off at the end of games. or very very conservative passes. I think it would be better if Kyle McCord had been able to air it out a little bit. But that's not the way it played out. And so Kyle McCord's pretty much an unknown commodity. When I talked to him at media day before the Peach Bowl, he said he's night and day better than he was against Akron when he was, you know, he was okay when he started the one game as a true freshman, but it was the Akron. You know, he wasn't great. He wasn't mm-hmm. terrible. But he says he's, he's a much different player right now. Uh, Devin Brown is a little more mobile, I think, um, but I don't know that he's as accurate. I, you know, I don't think he's as knowledgeable in system as, as Kyle McCord is, which is to be expected, again, because Kyle McCord's been in there two years. Um, it'll be a competition. I don't think anyone's handing the job to Kyle McCord, but I, I, would, I would think that he would be the – if I had to guess who's going to be the starter against Indiana, I would say it's Kyle McCord. Bill, your thoughts on the transfer portal, and thank goodness it closes next Wednesday. Javante Jean-Baptiste uh, announcing he's transferring to Notre Dame. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, he, you know, he played a decent amount at Ohio State, but I think it was clear to him that he would never be more than a backup here and wanted to go somewhere different and, and a chance, you know, a good program, obviously, and have a chance to play more of a role. I think next year the defensive ends are going to be JT Tuomolo out and, and Jack Sawyer. I think Caden Curry's another guy who's going to play a lot. He, he looks really good in very limited action this year as a freshman. So I think, you know, I think Javante is a, you know, a good player, but I don't think he's a difference maker. Um, he hasn't been so far at Ohio State. And so that's, that's kind of, that's the lay of the land right now. These guys, they, they put in their time at a school. If they don't think that they're going to have a bigger role, they're, they're more than willing to move on. And, you know, it's a loss. It, it certainly hurts their depth, but it's not, you know, it's not like losing JT to a Molo, I would be. I told Kenny he's transferring to Notre Dame because he's got the extra year due to the pandemic but he's transferring because he's not going to the NFL. <laughs> well, here's the thing about, about uh, NIL now in college. I think you're much better off if you are a marginal pro, if you are, say, a Haskell Garrett, who actually thought I thought would, would make it in the NFL. But if he ended up signing for like maybe $10,000 as an undrafted free agent, you can make a lot more than that staying in school at Ohio State. And so I think you're going to find guys sticking around longer. You know, not the top, top guys, but the the guys that are looking at being a late-round pick or maybe not drafted at all because there's you get nothing. You know, you might get a paltry signing bonus, and then if you get cut, you, you're done. In Ohio State, you get, at the very least, a scholarship, I mean, you, which is not insignificant, and then whatever NIL you can get. And, and I'm sure that varies widely among players, but it's it can be a decent amount of money even for guys who aren't stars. 
All right, so the offensive coordinator position, kind of up in the air, but we all, uh, I think, uh, after having this conversation, think Ryan Day is going to end up calling the plays and Brian will learn, and who knows where it goes from there. We also know that Jim Knowles is going to be the defensive coordinator, but I want to ask you this, Bill Rabinowitz. Had he been there three or four years and the season ended the way it did with uh, the defensive performance against Michigan and the defensive performance, especially in the fourth quarter against Georgia, would he have been fired? Was that a fireable offense if he wasn't there just in his first year? Well, if if you have three years of that, yes. Yeah. You know, I, I don't – yeah. But I don't I don't think he was on the even the warmest of seats. I don't, I don't think that was really? even a, a thought. After the season, I think, you know, as much as Jim Knowles talked about, I know I don't have four years to build the defense like I did at Oklahoma State. The fact is, you, it's hard to, to do it all in one year. And the other problem Ohio State had, honestly, is they weren't challenged very much during their regular seasons. So that when they finally played good teams, and I'll throw Maryland in there too. Maryland moved the ball very well against yeah. Ohio State. And yeah. so, so Maryland, you know, Michigan, and the Michigan thing was, you know, it's a bit of a fluke in a way, in the in the sense that it wasn't like Michigan, it wasn't what Michigan did in 2021, where they just bullied Ohio State. They just moved chunks after chunk. It was this were five big plays, and, and I'm not minimizing that. The play they count just like any other plays. It's unacceptable, but it wasn't like they just just mauled Ohio State like they did in 2021. So. You know, and Georgia's a very good offensive team. I mean, that's, that's a very good team. And if you look at the scores around college football, it's, it's so different than the NFL. You know, you don't see NFL scores in the 40s. You see it in college all the time. And so I, I think that, that you, you kind of have to, you know, grade on a scale a little bit, grade on a curve. But, yes, they have to be better in, in clutch situations. I'm not excusing what happened against Georgia or Michigan or even Maryland because – their defense was exposed, but I. So I think you know the honeymoon might be over, uh, and then that that's fair. But I, I don't think that his job security is at risk at all. You know now, I mean I guess if it happened again next year, there would be more of a discussion about that. Well, it better not because then then he he deserves to be fired. And the reason I say that two million dollars <laughs> and some of the top talent in the country, and it cost them a national championship because JT and I both agree. I think Ohio State would have beat TCU for the national championship. And when you blow a a fourteen point lead in the fourth quarter like that, uh, you know, uh, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Right. And, and so I I think it's got to get cleared up in a hurry when you're dealing with. Ohio State. We're not talking about you know other schools around the country that would love to make the Final Four and, and move on from that. I, I think when you're with the Buckeyes and you blow a chance to win a national championship, I think the seat uh, is very hot for him. Well, that's the nature of the job at Ohio State. I mean, Ryan Day has yep. come to accept that. You know, Jim Knowles, I'm sure, will, will learn that if he hasn't already. That there's not a lot of patience, not a lot of forgiveness with that job. It makes it a tough job, but it's but like you said, you know, Ohio State is not – they're not a run-of-the-mill program. They're the only program in the country that's never had an extended downturn. They just they – just, they're always good. Uh, you know, the issue for Ohio State has been – I wrote about this after the, after the uh, loss. You know, has any program in the country kind of broken their fans' hearts as much as Ohio State? They have great teams year in, year out. And to think that since 1968 they've only won two national championships. I mean, this is a program that almost every year is in that conversation of best team in the country. And yet it's been so elusive. And then the two that they won 
have almost they, they've not been flukes, but they were kind of lightning in a in a bottle, right? I mean, 2002, yeah. the Buckeyes, and then 2014, we know about, and so. You know, all these great teams that they had under Cooper in the 90s that would lose to Michigan in the bowl game. And then, you know, Trestle losing back-to-back ones. And Urban, you know, winning his third year but not winning again. And Ryan Day in 19 and now 22. And, you know, 19, I mean, they would have had to play LSU in the finals. And that would have been a really tough game with Joe Burrow. This one, you knew as you're watching it, this was the national championship, right? I mean, as you're watching, you saw what Michigan, you know, Michigan losing to TCU. I have very little doubt that Ohio State would have beaten TCU. Maybe not 65-7, to 7, but they would right. have beaten them. And, you know, that it, that it came down to a 50-yard field goal was unfortunate. I think if Marvin Harris had not been injured, and if they had not reversed that targeting, it's a different game. But that's what happens, you know. It's, it's, but Georgia's really good. I mean, you know, there's no shame to lose to Georgia. It's a, that was a 50-50 game. You know, the Clemson game three years ago, Ohio State I thought was the better team. You know, this time I thought it was an even game. I thought that Ohio State, you know, was, was certainly on there on Georgia's level, but Georgia's really good. Great points, as always. Uh, keep up the fantastic work, Bill Rabinowitz. We appreciate the time on short notice, and Happy New Year to you, my friend. Well, thank you. Nice talking with you, Kenny, JT.